The Kate Daly Show starts now. Our forebears came not for gold, but mainly in search of God and the freedom to worship in their own way. We've been a free people living under the law with faith in our maker and in our future. I've said before that the most sublime picture in American history is of George Washington on his knees in the snow at Valley Forge. That image personifies a people who know that it's not enough to depend on our own courage and goodness. We must also seek help from God, our Father and Preserver. Very most. I have about a thousand themes coming into the show. I have to say that's one of my favorites. One of my favorites because it rings true every single time, and I hope you felt that. Uh, welcome to the Kate Daly Show. So happy to have you. Uh, final hour of the show on a Tuesday. I've got Uncle Milty with me. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, and we have such a great topic and a great author in this hour. Before we go there, make sure you get to the website, katedalyradio.com. We're just coming on to about a about a million podcast, podcast listens. That's apart from the live show. So I love this because it's worldwide and cities all over uh, America are listening to this show and I'm so happy because we can do some great education on this show. And you can get those podcasts on the homepage of katedallyradio.com. How easy is that? katedallyradio.com. Also, um, when you go there, you'll see a picture of Balance of Nature. Make sure that you are clicking on that. This is a fantastic supplement. I take it. My husband takes it. We think it's amazing. I did my homework. You know I do my homework about four to five hours a day, right? Well, you can bet your rear end that I actually researched Balance of Nature before I ever took that product, and it is the best. Uh, I have to say it's the best. 11 um, servings of fruits and vegetables dehydrated down into capsule form. This is the, the product that we need for nutrients to up our immune system. It's a fantastic product. Put in the code Kate and get a third off. It's already affordable. You're just going to make it even even more like a gift. Thirty, uh, You get a third off, and it is fantastic. Make sure you're taking a supplement uh, to help yourself get through this winter as well. I welcome Mark David Hall, author. How are you, Mark? I'm doing very well. Thank you, Kate. I'm so happy to have you. And what a fantastic topic this is. Um, we, we are blessed to cover a lot of topics on this show. And this is one um, that I absolutely love. Um, in fact, you are a Herbert Hoover uh, Distinguished Professor of Politics and Faculty Fellow in the William Penn Honors Program at George Fox University. Um, study Center for the Study of Law and Religion at Emory University. Uh, Senior Fellow at Baylor University's Institute for Studies of Religion. You've written, edited, co-edited a dozen books on religion and politics in America, nationally recognized expert on religious freedom, so happy to hear that, and writes for the online publications Law and Liberty, Intercollegiate Studies Review, and, and you've appeared regularly on, on a number of radio shows. Um, and I'm really, really happy to have you. I This this new book, uh, and I have it sitting right here in front of me, uh, Did America Have a Christian Founding? What a great question in this day and age and how we've politically corrected ourselves into the numbness of thought in this country is just astounding to me when it comes to how America started. What made you, because I love the, I love the, uh, on the cover it says, separating modern myth from historical truth. What made you sit down? to pen this particular book, Mark? So I've been working in these areas for about 25 years. Wow. And I've been doing mostly academic stuff. And I I think we've done a lot of good work. But what I've seen is that in the popular mind, 
there's still far too many people that believe that most of America's founders were deist, that we have a godless constitution, that the founders wanted a wall of separation between church and state. Mm -hmm. And so I'm hopeful that this book, drawing from my years of scholarship, will set the record straight and perhaps convince readers that are that are unconvinced Mm -hmm. that my answers are better than the answers that are commonly given. And then for believers that already suspect that my answers are right, I'll give them the tools to better, better defend the positions they already hold. Right. I love that. I love that. And and here and here we are a nation that has had statue reform, which I'm not crazy about because we like to view history in a 2019 lens for the progressive liberals in this country. For some reason, they get off on that. I don't understand it. I think a lot of people don't understand it. We don't want to understand our history for some reason. We have to we want to see it through this 2019 uh, lens. And that's in my opinion. I want to hear from you. What do you think people out there, this majority have been told? How do they what, what are they thinking, like you were just talking about, Diaz? What, what do you think they think about the founding of this country? Yeah, so maybe there's different groups of mm-hmm. people who are interested in here. So I think scholars, um, beginning in the early 20th century, tended to be products of a, of a research university. They tended to be very progressive, very scientifically oriented. And so when they look back to the American founding, they were perhaps drawn to those few founders, more influenced by the Enlightenment than other founders. To a certain extent, they were looking for a usable past. They wanted founders who seemed to to approve of something approximating a godless constitution or the separation of church and state. Mm -hmm. And so so these scholars started writing about this sort of stuff in college textbooks and more broadly and and, and, in teaching it in their classes and so forth. And so we've had a couple of generations of well-meaning college students, you know, regular people Mm -hmm. out in our communities, teachers and firemen and police officers, who simply this is most of what they've heard. And so they believe, well, this is just historically the case. You have some popular Christian authors Mm -hmm. that have offered a challenge to this narrative. And yet I think they're generally not taking very seriously, except for, you know, a relatively small slice of um, American citizens that are already Mm -hmm. relatively conservative Christian. And so, again, I hope this this book coming from someone who I would like to think is an established scholar Mm -hmm. will hopefully make people think twice about the narrative that they've received. Right. I love this. The um, offering a lot of revealing insights into this. Could we have done it without God? Could we have an America without God? Um, I I think that's an excellent question. I I don't really go there in my Mm -hmm. book. What I'm looking at primarily is in terms of Christian influence. And what I argue Mm -hmm. is that from the earliest colonies to the patriots, to, to the creation of our constitutional order that our founders drew in deep and clear ways mm-hmm. from their Christian convictions and ideas developed within the Christian tradition of political reflection. Now, when I read history, I see all sorts of events that certainly seem miraculous in American history, particularly, yeah. but perhaps even more broadly. Uh, but I, I tend not to go beyond the evidence that I can get my hands around. Uh And so my arguments based on primary primary source documents and that sort of thing. I'm not saying that other sort of project is illegitimate. It's just Mm -hmm. not the project of this book. Okay. You know, looking back at leaders throughout time, um, from everybody from uh, John Adams to Herbert Hoover Hoover to Roosevelt, and and talking about um, America's founding, it's it's interesting that we're in a day and age where it's it's almost politically incorrect even talking about it today live on the radio. People, you know, somehow still, oh, you know, are you one of those shows? You know, that that kind of just stupidity, you know, and, and not realizing how much it was talked 
talked about, because if you go back into the old letters back during the founding time, everybody's conversation was very much surrounding God. They talked about it openly. Did you find this when you were looking back and, and what was your experience? Oh, absolutely. In the American founding, God is referenced all the time. One notable thing, my friend Daniel Dreisbach just published a great book, Reading the Bible with the Founding Fathers, Oxford University Press, just a year or two ago. And he shows that the founders are routinely quoting scripture, but they don't put the little parenthetical citation after the quotation, Psalm mm-hmm. 139.5, Micah 4.4, Micah 6.8. And so a lot of scholars who are biblically illiterate, they're very smart people. They just don't know the Bible. They just miss this. And so you're exactly right. In the late 18th century, everyone is writing within this Christian context. Now, we know for sure that a Jefferson and Adams, mm-hmm. a John a John Adams, a Ben Franklin are not Orthodox Christians. We know this from their private letters, but they were very careful to keep their heterodox beliefs from the general public. But when we move beyond these two or three founders to the rest of the founding generation, I mean the political class, the sort of people involved in state legislatures in the first federal Congress, we have lots of reason to believe that many, if not most of them, were Orthodox Christian and hardly a handful. I have a hard time getting beyond one or two that were reasonably called deist, in spite of the fact that scholar after scholar to this day continues to assert that most of them were deist. Do you do you think that might be because while they talk often about God, mm-hmm. you don't ever hear them talk about Christ? You know, I think it depends. Mm-hmm. That, that is often said of George Washington, and that's true in George Washington's case. But many of the others, including in some of the official government mm-hmm. proclamations, presidential calls for prayer, congressional calls for prayer and fasting, um, that Jesus Christ is mentioned. And then we, when we turn to the letters— the diaries and that sort of thing. I, I think Jesus is referenced quite a bit, but I think you are on to something. Oftentimes, scholars who write on these subjects focus on just a handful, five or mm-hmm. six founders. They tend to be found, or they are founders that are all Anglicans or worshiping in an Anglican church by mm-hmm. the end of their lives, with the exception of George Washington, with, with the exception of John Adams, rather. Right. And so these are six founders that are routinely looked at. That's about I don't know, 85% of the sample that these scholars are looking at. And yet this is an era of time where about 15% of Americans are Anglicans. That is members of the Church of England, or today would say the Episcopalian Church. And just like today, Episcopalians sort of have a reputation for being high church and not overly emotional about their faith and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. I think that was true in the um, in, in the late 18th century. But 50 to 75% are Calvinist. And when we look at these Congregationalists and Presbyterians and Baptists, in Dutch reform, we see a very different picture of how the Christian faith manifests itself in the late 18th century. So true. Even in that century, we had the Quakers that started the Underground Railroad. You know, the, the credit's given to Harriet Tubman, although she joined in the last 15 years of a 70-year journey, but it was the Quakers. And, and so when we, were, when we, when we uh, embarked on, on this new constitution and this new way of doing business and government, um, there was some sort of, obviously it was done, you know, for religious freedom, that was uh, one of the big reasons people came here. They were driven here to have and express themselves religiously the way they wanted to, so they weren't owned by their government slash you know church. And so the the separation of church and state then becomes has become something that I think it spiraled out of control. And I know we only have like forty five seconds before we go to a break, but do you want to address this? And we'll also address it on the flip side of the break: church and state. 
Yeah, sure. The first thing I'll say is I think you can trace the idea of the separation of church and state back to Jesus Christ, right? Given mm-hmm. to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. Right. In the Christian tradition, the church and the state should not be the same. They're separate. Mm-hmm. And yet what a lot of secularists say is that the founders somehow wanted to build a wall of separation between church and state, which is absolutely not the case. And maybe we can return mm-hmm. to focus on that era after the break. Yeah, yeah. I think so, too, because I think you have have some tremendous points to make on this. And I think that we need to wake up a little bit to this point because we've gotten so far in the weeds on on removing anything uh, church in this country to satisfy some crazy uh, some crazy idea that we've derived. Like I said, looking through those goggles of 2019, uh, we'll be right back more with author uh, Mark David Hall. When we come back, did America have a Christian did America have a Christian founding get the book. Be right back in just a moment. Kate Daly Show. Balance of Nature. Changing the world one life at a time. I am definitely enjoying and committed to the fruits and vegetable capsules. You know, the secret for this is there is no other place, no other source for getting all of those nutrients from simple fruits and vegetables. It's easy to take. I feel stronger and better, more energy, more completeness, less pain a little bit here and there, and just better. It's a very special product. There's nothing else on the market near it. And I'm just really glad that I have it. Experience the balance of nature difference for yourself. Call or go online now and become a preferred customer, which gives you our best pricing and free shipping. And we will take an additional 35% off of your first order. This will be a limited time offer, so don't wait. Call 800-2468-751. That's 800 800- Two four six eight seven five one, or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code Kate. Buying a second home is the biggest financial investment you will ever make. Hi, this is Ann Cooper with Simply Real Estate at Realty One Group Goldmark. Prepare yourself with the knowledge about the process with the assistance of experienced professionals. This Thursday, six p.m. at Realty One Group Goldmark on Main Street. Join us at six p.m. as we answer your questions. Buying a second home should be happy and exciting. Our team is passionate about finding. New home. Don't miss this opportunity. Simply Real Estate Seminar this Thursday, 6 p.m. at Realty One Group Goldmark on Main Street. With the changing temperatures, heating and cooling systems can struggle to keep all areas of your house comfortable, like your bonus rooms, garage, enclosed patios, master bedrooms, casitas, and more. Air care professionals can help these troubled areas with their Mitsubishi electric cooling and heating ductless system, offering individual comfort control to a more personal defined space. Purchase a system from Air Care Professional this month and get up to $300 off and 0% equipment financing options OAC. Call 628-2423 or online at aircarepros.com. This is Lorraine, and I want to tell you about my experience at Red River Health and Wellness and how they changed my life for the better. For years, I had dealt with injuries that didn't heal properly. Fatigue, depression, in general, just not feeling right. I assumed this is how people my age felt and that I would have to deal with it. That was until I had my free consultation with Red River. They conducted detailed medical testing that no other doctor had ever done for me. They gave me answers, and then they created a plan specific to me. Not a plan for everyone else, a plan just for me. What are you dealing with? Fatigue, depression, anxiety, digestive problems, something else? Why not call Red River Health and Wellness for your free consultation? You have nothing to lose except for those symptoms that are making your life miserable. 
Call them, 767-9355. That's 767-9355. Or check them out online at redriverhealthandwellness.com. Red River Health and Wellness, chiropractic physicians. Hey, this is Steve with Garage Doors Only. Did you know that each year over 10,000 people are hurt or injured attempting to repair their own garage door? At Garage Doors Only, our team of professionals can safely repair or replace your garage door or motor. Our business is family-owned and operated, and we service all of southern Utah and the Mesquite area. Don't be a statistic. Call the professionals at Garage Doors Only, 435-868-1200. People get excited. I mean crazy excited about Black Friday sales. They love saving money. Hi, I'm Dave Mizrahi, owner of Best Mattress, and I'm about to save you a ton of it at our Black Friday sale, our biggest and best sale of the year. Get a free adjustable base when you buy a queen mattress for $5.99 or more. Plus, we've got all the best brands, Serta, Sealy, Beautyrest, Stearns & Foster, and Tempur-Pedic, and up to 72 months no interest financing. Best Mattress. Sleep easy, friends. See store for details. There are a lot of gifts you could give a loved one this year. Jewelry, the latest phone or gadget, but there won't be a gift quite like this. Something that lasts, a gift that will make a difference in their life. Imagine giving someone the gift of sight with vision correction surgery from the Zion Eye Institute. Gift certificates are available for any amount, and right now for the holidays, we're offering 10% off any purchase of a gift certificate. Gift certificates can be redeemed for any vision correction surgery, including LASIK, ICL, or corrective lens surgery. At the Zion Eye Institute, every surgery is performed by caring and experienced board-certified surgeons, which means no need to drive to Salt Lake or Las Vegas. Plus, with four locations and offices, scheduling an appointment in St. George, Cedar City, and Mesquite is easy. Give the gift of sight this year and call 656-2020. That's 656-2020. Or online at zioneye.com and ask about Zion Eye's 10% off holiday gift of sight certificate for a loved one. Offer cannot be combined with any other offer. Happy holidays from the Zion Eye Institute, Southern Utah's premier Eye Care Center. Talk lines are open now. Call 888-673-1450. This is the Kate Daly Show. for her high school graduation uh, did not vet it through the school system which it probably wouldn't have been allowed and instead of some pop song this brave 17 year old did that and I have to say my hat's off to her Uh, what a wonderful that was a few years back what a wonderful rendition of that song an emotional one at that Um, we're talking about our founding Did, did America have a Christian founding and we have author Mark David Holland with us to talk about 
about this very subject, who wrote this wonderful book on this, to spell out really the truth about this. And there really is a truth to be whole because um, we have so skewed our version of church and state and have come out with this insane, um, I don't know, description, Uncle Melty, description of it. <laughs> and we are we are looking at it through this 2019 lens and how disturbing this is that we're not seeing the founders for who they were and and the country for its founding. And so we were just talking about separation of church and state. And Mark, uh, thank goodness you're on the show today. I love this topic. And this is where we went wrong. And in talking about religious freedom, where did we get this so wrong separation of church and state? Yes, I think where um, it really went wrong is 1947. In 1947, mm -hmm. in the Supreme Court case of Everson versus Board of Education, the Supreme Court basically said this, we must interpret the Establishment Clause in light of the founders' views. Thomas Jefferson and George Mason, Je Thomas Jefferson and James Madison equal the American founders. These two wanted the strict separation of church and state. They wanted to build a wall of separation between church and state. Therefore, the Establishment Clause requires such a wall. And then for the next 30, 40 years, this narrative went more or less unchallenged, certainly among U.S. Supreme Court justices. And it was used to deny people religious liberty, to deny parents funds to help their kids go to private religious schools. Mm -hmm. People argued that because of this, uh, Lutheran preschool couldn't participate in a state program that provides safe playground services. Now, the problem with this argument is it's just profoundly wrong. In no way, shape, or form did America's founders desire the strict separation of church and state. In my book, I show this in two ways. To begin with, I actually begin with Thomas Jefferson and James Madison. And I show that even these two founders who wanted a stricter separation of church and state than most founders didn't want really a wall. And I'll just tell you one story to help substantiate this sure. point. Two days after Thomas Jefferson wrote the letter to the Danbury Baptist in 1802, where he famously used this metaphor saying the, the Establishment Clause created a wall of separation between church and state. Mm -hmm. Now, let me let me interject that Jefferson didn't help write the First Amendment, didn't help ratify it. So I'm not sure why we're going to him anyway. He's not even in America when the amendment's dra drafted. Mm -hmm. But anyway, two days after he wrote this letter, he went to church services in the U.S. Capitol building where he heard John Leland, himself uh, an opponent of religious establishments, preach. Now, this would suggest to me that whatever he meant by that metaphor, Jefferson did not act as if there was a wall of separation between church and state. I mean, think about that. Church services in the U.S. Capitol building. Jefferson also allowed the, the War Department building and the Treasury building to be open for church services on Sunday morning. Hmm. And I give plenty of examples of both Jefferson and Madison acting as if there are certainly many ways in which church and state can cooperate. But more significantly, if we turn our eyes from these two very important founders to the rest of the founding generation, we just see no indication that they wanted a strict separation uh, between church and state. Yes, they were turning against religious establishments. Nine of the 13 colonies and then states mm -hmm. had religious establishments, but they, they were turning against them precisely because they were concluding that they hurt Christianity. So if you want Christianity to flourish, get the government out of the business of promoting it, controlling it, regulating it, and then true Christianity will flourish. And so in no way, shape, or form did the founding generation want anything approximating what separationists since the 1940s have been telling us they wanted. 
Ooh, great point. Go ahead. So the the disestablishment of the state churches played a big role in this then? Well, you know, this was a subject to debate. So Mm -hmm. beginning in 1776, the states, the southern states that tended to have the Anglican Church or the Church of England as their establishments, they moved pretty rapidly against them. These were some of the most corrupt establishments. And after all, we were fighting a war against the head of the Church of England. So this maybe is to be expected. Mm -hmm. In the north, it took a bit longer. Um, Massachusetts was the last state to disestablish its church in 1833. But what you can see is if you look at the arguments at the state level, and of course it was all state by state, the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution did not touch the state establishments. But if you look at the arguments state by state, by far and away the the, the predominant arguments against establishments was that they hurt Christianity. And so since we want Christianity to flourish, we should get the state out of the business of regulating the church, running the church, even subsidizing the church. They recognize that this is just bad for Christianity. And I think they were absolutely right in this. So I'm a Christian. I want to see the Christian faith flourish. And therefore, the last thing I want to see is the government stepping into my church and telling us how to run ourselves or this sort of thing. Wow. Do you ever find people amazed after after reading your book to learn things about history where at actually one time prayer was required in schools? Hmm. Yeah, I, I think um, they, they might be surprised. And I would hasten to say, particularly when I talk about the early colonies, um, I mean, a lot of colonies had practices and laws and restrictions. You know, they would punish people who engaged in plays or played with dice or cards. And I would say, look, these things were well-intentioned, but they were imprudent, and we were right to reject this sort of thing. So you're absolutely right that once public schools came on the scene, and they, they really weren't public schools as we would think of them until the mid-19th century, they did oftentimes require Bible reading and prayer. But oftentimes, even there, it was well-intentioned, but it um, led to a lot of conflict and a lot of unnecessary hassle. For instance, uh, when the um, Bible was read, it used to be uh, primarily the King James Version of the Bible, mm-hmm. but Catholic citizens, who by the mid-19th century were, say, 25% of the population, they said, wait a minute, this isn't really fair. Mm-hmm. Can't we read the Catholic version of the Bible? Mm-hmm. And so this literally led to riots in many instances. And so, you know, into the 20th century, prayer is still oftentimes required. I, I, I'm not a big fan of that, all, in, all, in all honesty. I think clearly and constitutionally, children have the ability to come together freely to pray if they want. Mm-hmm. I would love to see a, ro- a robust voucher system so that citizens could choose to send their kids to Jewish schools or Catholic schools or Baptist schools. Mm -hmm. I think this would be the sort of ideal world. And then, of course, within the Catholic school, have explicitly Catholic prayers and read the Catholic Bible and the Jewish school, read the Hebrew scriptures and have Jewish prayers. This sort of pluralism, I think, is um, Mm -hmm. an important thing of what our country is all about. And please don't hear a namby-pamby relativism here. So Mm -hmm. I'm a Christian, and I will try to convert Mm non-Christians to my understanding of the faith. I just don't think the government should play any role in doing that. Well, you're for liberty. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I mean, that you're for liberty, and that's exactly what the founders were for. I mean, I look at their constant reference to God, their constant reference to God-given rights, um, and and that's what the Constitution's all about. God-given rights, 
supposed to be protected only by government. So it was really only the protection of the flourishing of all of these religions. Whereas if you looked back into our past, like, say, the Church of England, that was very, um, let's just say, cohesive with the government there. And they had everybody. You were born on that soil. You were that religion. They did not want that. They wanted the flourishing of all religions. And then when you look at D.C., look at, I mean, obviously they've soiled it so badly it's unrecognizable anymore, D.C., but if you look at all the buildings in which government takes place, there's all kinds of references to the commandments, to everything uh, Christian. And so it's, it's insane, and I'm sure you had a lot of aha moments in this book, too, writing it, I'm sure. Yeah, no, I, 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 I did have some really fun mo- moments. And in fact, I, I recently worked on a brief in a case involving a monument of the Ten Commandments, and I can't mm-hmm. talk about the details of it. Right. But in writing the brief, one of the things I did is I, I documented the many, many instances of religious imagery or scripture being on all sorts of official government buildings. Um, of course, monuments of the Ten Commandments are, there's over a hundred of them on public spaces, including state legislature grounds throughout the nation. One of the more interesting things I found, and I think this was kind of a fun finding, if you look over the last 20 years, governments actually have become a lot more inclusive. So, for instance, Ohio recently dedicated a Holocaust memorial, mm-hmm. and there's a there's a Star of David. Right. You know, prominently within the Holocaust Memorial. Now, you would say, isn't this a wonderful thing? This predominantly Christian state is creating a Holocaust Memorial, and they have the Star of David. How appropriate. And yet the Freedom From Religion Foundation people, the American Humanist Association, you know, they say this cannot stand. We have to remove the Star of David from a Holocaust Memorial. Just utterly ridiculous in my mind. It's certainly not required, not required by the Establishment Clause at all. And and yet through all of this uh, confusion and mm-hmm. talk and and secularism growth, we still sixty five percent of our people claim to be Christian. Yeah, I find yeah. that amazing. I do too. I think it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I do. Yeah. I think it's great. What do you think about when uh, a Satanist church comes to town and wants to put up their statues, which we've seen all over the country, and it makes me ill? But what 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 is your thought on that? In, in America. Sure. Well, there's a couple ways that we have to think about this question. First of all, if they own property and want to put up a Satanist statue on private property, mm-hmm. they certainly have that right to do so. Sure. Um, if the government creates a what's called a limited public forum, that is, they say any group can come and put up, um, you know, some sort of image symbol or that sort of thing, then I'm afraid as much as I don't like the Satanists Mm -hmm. um, that they can be prevented or that they can't be prevented from doing so. The government basically said everyone's welcome here. And so I think the government then has a duty to um, permit all groups to come, you know, within reasonable time, place and manner restrictions and such. On the other hand, when it's a government speaking, such as the, um, it was originally a private thing, but eventually it became a government thing. Mm-hmm. The Bladensburg Cross in Maryland, a mm-hmm. cross erected yep. to memorialize the dead from a county. Um, there is no way, shape, or form that Maryland has to permit a satanic memorial or yeah. even a menorah or a Star of David to go up alongside it. The government can choose how to speak, and it certainly never has to um, permit. It's never compelled to erect a monument to Satan or that sort of thing. 
Thank you. I'm so glad you said that. I know we only have about 30 seconds left um, before we go into our next break. When we come back, um, I want to address kind of the the obvious, you know, what is this doing to our nation and why are we why are they 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 trying so hard to turn this into something it's not? And what is the result of that? And if you'll comment on that when we come back and a couple of other things, too, because you talk about right to life in America, we have the, the right to have a life. Um, All kinds of things in your book. I think it's fantastic. We'll be right back. Mark David Hall and the book is Did America Have a Christian Founding? What a fantastic book. It's brand new. You can get it on Amazon uh, for quite a deal right now. You might want to go there and get this. Maybe a good gift for Christmas too. Be right back with Mark David Hall. Don't go anywhere. Kate Daly Show. Have you been struggling with erectile dysfunction? Hi guys, it's Andrew with Wasatch Medical Clinic. There is now a breakthrough and long-lasting fix for erectile dysfunction that does not require medication, injections, or surgery. You heard that right, no more pills. This new treatment is called acoustic wave therapy. It utilizes an FDA-cleared device that is clinically proven to increase blood flow, exactly what you need more of if you have ED. With just a few short treatments in our clinic, you can eliminate erectile dysfunction completely. Call in the next three minutes and we'll give you the initial doctor's exam, assessment, and blood flow ultrasound totally free. That's a $300 value. Call now, 435-922-7000. That's 435-922-7000. If you have erectile dysfunction and you're sick of the pills, call Wasatch Medical Clinic right now for that free assessment. 435-922-7000. The colors are changing. The nights are cooler. Create a warm gathering place with a fireplace or stove from Alpine Fireplaces. Alpine Fireplaces offers gas, wood, electric, or pellet fireplaces or stoves. 393 East Riverside in St. George or alpinefireplaces.com. Hey, it's Casey at Garage Doors Only. Thank you for voting us the best garage door company in Southern Utah. We enjoy serving you and appreciate your vote of confidence. At Garage Doors Only, we do one thing. Garage Doors. We'll make sure your garage doors are in the best possible working order. We'll take the time to show you options, accessories, and the latest trends in the industry. Let us help you select the perfect door for your style and budget. Call us at 435-868-1200 or come see us at our showroom at 689 North Bluff. And again, thank you for voting us number one. My symptoms were swelling, tired all the time. Indigestion. A lot of muscle spasms, pain. Pretty severe arthritis. Not being able to sleep. Just being lethargic. Brain fog every day. Aches and pains. Now I'm great. I started getting better. I can think again. I have energy. I can play with my five-year-old. Yeah, I've lost about 60 pounds. Um, Life is pretty awesome. It was like a a complete turnaround. Call today for a free consultation. 855-55-RIVER. RedRiverHealthAndWellness.com. Chiropractic Physicians. Hey, it's Brian here for InfoWest. The last few months, I've been amazed how many times I've been asked if I really use InfoWest and if you really like it. First of all, yes, we have InfoWest in our house. And second of all, no, we don't like it. We love it. It's reliable. It's fast. It's inexpensive. It's local. It's InfoWest. As I've told you before, we've struggled with a lot of services for one reason or another. But once we found InfoWest and put it in our home, we're not looking back. If you've had experiences with other internet providers that haven't been that great, please take my advice on this one. Try InfoWest. I'm positive you'll have the same experience that I've had. If your life has a lot of stressful things going on in it right now, don't let one of them be your internet service. Call InfoWest today. 
435-674-0165. Or go online and check everything that InfoWest has to offer at InfoWest.com. I was almost going to tell you not to take my word for it, but take my word for it. InfoWest. Hi, this is Kate Daly, and I love my sponsors. Copiers for Sale offers Southern Utah the best quality and pricing on printers, copiers, and plotters. They sell, lease, and service any equipment your business or home office needs. CopiersforSale.com, a local company and division of Steamroller Copies, is always asking, what do you want to print today? No matter your situation, Bank of Utah Home Loans can help with the right home loan for you. Call Brian and the Bank of Utah Home Loans team today. 435-986-7221. Bank of Utah Home Loans, helping you grow no matter what stage of life you're in. This is Morgan Googler with Cash Valley Bank. I know banks can seem like they're all the same. A lot of them seem faceless to me too. That's why I've spent my whole career where I've spent my whole life, where I can put a face to every name that I serve. I've known most of my clients here in Washington County for a long time, and I enjoy getting to know those I don't know already. If you want a loan for your business, I won't just give you a phone number to call or a website to visit. Meet me in my office, or I'll go to you. To me, banking is a relationship business. I build relationships with my clients and learn how their businesses operate so that I'll know how to help. I couldn't be prouder to be spending my career with Cash Valley Bank, offering all our clients quality customer service. Mountains away. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. take a look at what some of the finest companies in customer service have in common, I can tell you they practice values that involve both the way customers and employees are treated. Every interaction, every engagement, every motion is executed with a particular intention based on those values. It's often referred to as constancy of purpose. Companies that have a mission, a constancy of purpose, stand out from the others. Talk lines are open now. Call 888-673-1450. This is the Kate Daly Show. fantastic song you know it's one of the few i mean not one of the few i'm sorry uh, many many songs um that talk about the founding of our country include words like god isn't that amazing <laughs> no i'm not shocked because uh, it was referenced a lot more than we'll ever give it credit for at this time in history right now and there's a reason about it. so I, we have uh, mark david hall on the book is um um oh my gosh i just lost the, oh that uh, did, did america have a christian founding and this is a brand new book you can get this on amazon i'm grateful that he's spending the hour with us um because i think that there's a big lesson here and and what has been the lesson for you mark in writing this book and and discovering why people so many are intent on turning the founders into people they weren't turning our country into something it's not when when it comes to what the government supports in religion or what the government allows in religion because those are two different things um what 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 is the purpose of doing all of that what is the purpose of 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 this kind of argument against the founders um in in saying that they that that they were not concerned with god you know, that's a great question. It reminds me of one my wife has asked me many times. So I've written or edited a dozen academic books. 
and I think they're good books, and they shine a lot of uh, uh, they shine a lot of light on the American founding. But my wife kept asking, "So what? What does it matter for me? What does it matter today?" Mm-hmm. And I do try to answer those questions in the book. So I think there's a couple of different answers. One, a fellow named James Wilson who helped write the Declaration of the Constitution, early Supreme Court justice, and he said, "I'm going to have to paraphrase him," but he said basically all good political regimes draw the people back to the first principles of these regimes. And so I think it's useful for us as Americans just to sort of reflect on what the founders were trying to do. They created a constitutional order that has been remarkably effective. And, um, you know, we should learn from it and think, okay, how have we departed from it? How might we go back? And I would suggest things like the rule of law, federalism, separation of powers, checks and balances. We still have these things with us in many respects today, but something like federalism. I, I think we as citizens should insist that the national government keep stop doing everything it wants to do mm-hmm. and turn back the power to the states. And then the states might even decide that maybe some of this stuff shouldn't be done by government at all and turn it back to the towns or the churches or voluntary associations. I think would be a far healthier country in that respect. As well, I think the U.S. Supreme Court, as I suggested earlier, has said we have to interpret the First Amendment in light of the founders' views. Well, I actually like that logic. I, I think we should do so. And if we did so, we would have a very robust protection of religious liberty, certainly a protection that would not force a baker to bake a cake for a same-sex mm-hmm. wedding ceremony against his religious conviction. Certainly a, um, a, a view of religious liberty that would permit the Native American to use peyote mm-hmm. in a sacred ceremony. And so I, I give that example to say this isn't a pro-Christian sort of argument. It's a pro-liberty argument. It's a pro-religious liberty argument. And then finally, with, with respect to the Establishment Clause, it would remove, move us away from a lot of this nonsensical stuff that we have to tear down a 1925 cross because it violates a wall of separation between church and state. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just an utterly ridiculous argument from any reasonable original understanding of the First Amendment. And there's a lot of other practical things, but I'll stop there. Mm, so, so you good. like George Mason, huh? <laughs> I, I, I do like George yeah. Mason yeah. quite a bit. Yeah, yep. I love that. And, 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 and if we tear down um, God at the core, if we tear down God at the core, does that bring down... The Constitution, which would maybe maybe um, kind of alert us to the fact that we had God-given rights and then the government protecting those rights, because a lot of people now in schools, public schools, are taught that government gives us rights. And so is that the core of why they're doing what they're doing? Is it to make government the new God? What, what is you know, it? That, that's a great, great observation. And in fact, in my chapter on the quote-unquote godless constitution, I suggest mm-hmm. it's not godless because America's founders drew from Christian ideas in profound ways. And one that I know is near and dear to your heart is they believed that individuals were rights bearers. And they were rights bearers because they're created in the image of God, the Imago Dei. And they spelt this out. You know, this mm-hmm. means that life from conception to its natural end must be protected by law. Um, some founders that actually reflect on things like suicide address the question, do you have a right to commit suicide? And they answered this with a resounding no. It's not your life to take. It's God's life. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think when we lose this idea that rights are given to us by God and given to us to do good things. And so to to speak of a right to publish pornography, the founders would have been befuddled by this. They would have said, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? Um, they distinguished between liberty 
and license. And so, yeah, as we move to point. the government as a giver of rights, it's mm-hmm. profoundly scary. That's a, gu- that's a wonderful like the, point. The liberty versus distinguish license. between liberty and license. Yeah. yeah, they all did. That's a great way to put that. Uh, what's what, what? What are some of the bigger questions you get asked, Mark, about this? Because I know that there's a lot of people that don't have a secure understanding of our founding. They don't understand why the Constitution was so different than everybody else. Why was this so different? This is the Constitution that's lasted the longest uh, out of any country, um, and we're still in our infancy. So, um, so you know, what are what what do people do you think just have the most screwed up, you know, you know, understanding of this. And what do you get asked the most where people just don't know? They just don't know. Yeah, no, that's that's a great question. So I think, you know, we have conservative Christians on the right, so to speak, that hear my arguments and they like them a lot. And they sort of always felt this was the case. I have people on the far left, freedom from religion types that no matter what I say, they'll say, you're just a theocrat trying to put all non-Christians in jail and they aren't listening to me. <laughs> I have had a number of people in the middle, mm-hmm. you know, smart people, including one who is a um, dean of a law school saying, wow, th- I found this very convincing. Probably the hardest question I get asked, and I think it's a very reasonable question to ask, is they say, well, if we had a Christian founding, why did the founders not immediately abolish slavery? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a question that deserves to be taken very seriously. And I think there's a very good answer that can be given to it. Part of the answer is simply that the founders were not perfect. So in arguing that America mm-hmm. had a Christian founding, I'm not saying they got everything right at one point of time. And to the extent to which anything's wrong, it's because we departed from it. So we can critique them uh, for not abolishing slavery. But we should also recognize that many were turning against the institution of slavery. Something like seven states voluntarily abolished slavery after – after 1776, yes, I think everyone thought it was going away until Eli Whitney invented the cotton gen in the mid-1790s. And so when we dig down into this question, again, we should be critical. The founders were human. Mm-hmm. We're all human. We're all flawed. Well, it was, um, a, and- it was a way of life. I mean, when the, when the first group came over in the 1600s over here, and one of them was black of the 20, and then he went on to free himself, because usually it was a very short period of time where they earned back their... Uh, you know, they they were at the end of seven to eight years, they were given a, a little bit of cash and, a, and some clothing and sent on their way. He went and purchased another black slave. So when the Quakers, at, once that Constitution Inc. was dry and then the Quakers were the ones that set out, we had the freedom in this country for the Quakers to do that, to start the Underground Railroad. There's no way that uh, people could have started that using those terms and using the way they did it. The Quakers were a bit very instrumental. And, and so a lot of people don't even realize realize that. They think Harriet Tubman came along 70 years later and started it because of the movies they see, but they don't understand that the, maybe the country gave the founding, gave the gave the liberty to to finally start to eradicate that after centuries. You know, I think that's very well put. So pretty much every country at every time and yeah. every place had slavery. Right. It's in the Christian West that you begin to have the resources to combat this. And Amen. we can argue about who exactly came first. You know, mm-hmm. some of the European countries were, were moving towards abolishing yes. as well in the 18th century. But you're absolutely right. In America, the Quakers at the lead. 
followed very closely by evangelical Christians in the yes. antebellum era. The abolitionist movement was nothing if not a religious movement. And it eventually, of course, led to a, a bloody civil war in part uh, because of secession and whatnot. Uh, but absolutely driven by Christian convictions that slavery is wrong. And then if we can push forward to the civil rights movement, who led that? The Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., the Reverend Ralph Abernathy, the Reverend Mar Jesse Jackson, and on and on you go, right? Mm -hmm. This is the most appropriate way in which Christianity has ever been immediately involved in politics, but it's not the only way, right? You can right. point to the prison reform movement, the um, opposition to abortion today, and on and on we could go. Christianity is oftentimes on the lead edge of good social reform yeah yep and then what's happening to it now um uh you know are are we at are, are should we be worrying about christianity and the upholding of religious freedom in this country because political correctness is is getting the advantage i feel like uh, uncle milty well i i actually think there's starting to be an awakening mm -hmm. because of all the secularism right. and the problems we're seeing from it i think more people are looking towards mm -hmm. god again actually what do you think mark yeah, I certainly hope that's right. I think in some of these areas, the transgendered area, the other side mm -hmm. has just overreached so far that, right. you know, regular people out there that aren't particularly on the right <laughs> are looking at this and seeing these men who are ranked 300th in the nation all of a sudden winning national championships yes. when they identify yeah. as women. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is horrible for women. And I think most people in America recognize this. And that's not exactly turning to God, but it is turning away from this agenda that has been thrust upon us by the progressive left. And, and I hope you're right, Uncle Milty, that people are turning back to God because that ultimately is far more important than, you know, some small legal gains here or there. Yes. Yeah. What can we do to further encourage, um, to encourage religious liberty and to encourage our elected officials? I often refer to them as cockroaches because they don't do much and they do more to harm our liberty. But what could we do to encourage them to fight for this? One of the things I argue in the conclusion is I recognize people are busy. They're you know working jobs, raising families, spreading the gospel. But I say we have to be active citizens. We need to take the time. We don't have to become political activists, but we mm -hmm. should take the time to inform ourselves, to cast um, intelligent ballots, to maybe get involved occasionally in supporting a candidate or this sort of thing. And then as well, I really like some of these legal advocacy groups like the Alliance Defending Freedom, First Liberty, the Beckett Fund that are on the front line every day. And I recognize most of us don't have extra pocket change to contribute, but those of us who do, after we support our local church and, and, and charities, yeah, I, I would encourage folks to consider donating to organizations like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a firm understanding and an embracing of our founding and who we are at our core. And I'll tell you something, I, the, more, the farther we move away from that, the worse we become. And, and as socialism is starting to take over and all of these things, and as we kind of go into the weeds on that, um, with all of these, these elected officials who uh, think that they're bright and want to uh, encourage us to go this direction, and what that does is eradicate our religious choices. It eradicates our religious freedom. And for some reason, we're not getting that. We're just not getting it. Yeah, no, that, that sounds right to me. And I, I think you're right. Political correctness can sometimes drive conservative voices out of the public square, religious voices out of the public square. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to resist that. And this might require us to uh, man up or woman up and be willing to yep. be criticized by our peers um, for speaking the truth. 
They don't call it the silent majority for nothing. (laughs) (laughs) So true. That's right. That's so true. I I know that President Trump has put in a lot of folks. Um, Chris Ann Hall, our constitutional expert, has told us that there are so many at the heads of of certain departments now um, that are trying to protect religious freedoms. And let's just hope that that is the case, uh, because I fear I fear other leaders in getting in uh, would not have the same respect for religion, maybe? You know, I, I think that's right. One thing I can say for sure, I've, I've talked to a number of people mm-hmm. who are in a much better position to know than I am, and they've said that Donald Trump's um, judicial appointments from the Supreme Court to the District Court are superb. Yeah. They're wonderful. Right. And, you know, I, I think there's a lot to criticize about a current president, but we have to recognize it when he does good. And these judicial appointments are wonderful. And to the extent to which I'm aware of executive appointments, even cabinet level secretaries, some excellent people. So, yeah, yes. absolutely. A lot of good people getting into important positions. Yeah. I agree. I agree. The book, uh, Did America Have a Christian Founding? And the author, Mark David Hall, get this on Amazon, Mark? You know, I, I would like to tell you to go to my publisher, but Amazon has it for like $8 less than my publisher's <laughs> oh, wow. before, so, you, so you might want to go and look at it, especially That's before great. they decide to raise the price again. I'm not sure why it's underpriced, but it is right now. Yeah. Shedding a lot of light and diving into the evidence. I like that. Um, you know, being a, a research hound, diving into the evidence is so important. Yeah. Well, all you have to do is read the introduction and you'll get the book. <laughs> yeah. And it's, <laughs> it really is. I, I think that we just really need more education and more understanding on this because we have been led astray in a lot of areas in America, especially this one, which is one of the biggest uh, things that we need to fight for. Uh, Absolutely. 100 percent. Mark, thank you for joining us. Thank you so very much for having me. That was great. Uh, Did America Have a Christian Founding? Uh, Mark David Hall, thank you very much. And this podcast will go up. I hope you listen to it and spread this this, uh, conversation to your friends and family on social media. As I always say every day, be faithful, be fearless. Be faithful, be fearless. This is the Kate Daly Show. See you here tomorrow. Everybody have a great night. Go spend some time with your families. uh, And see you tomorrow. Can you confidently answer the question, was Jesus a socialist? Join us on Saturday morning, December 14th at Liberty Hall to hear the clear and insightful reply from one of today's leading champions for liberty, Lawrence W. Reed, author of Was Jesus a Socialist? Loving Liberty Incorporated is honored to present Dr. Reed for this kickoff event of Liberty Hall Lectures, Saturday, December 14th, 10 o'clock in the morning. It's free and it's timely. No registration is necessary, but seating is limited. Come early. Also, just in time for Christmas, buy 10 or more copies of the 5,000-year leap for just $2.50 each. Just in time for holiday giving. Single copy price is normally $10. Can't join us in person? Tune in to the Loving Liberty Radio Network for live talk radio and informative, insightful podcasts at LovingLiberty.net or on your mobile phone app. Was Jesus a Socialist? Find out at the Liberty Hall Lectures, December 14th. Go to LovingLiberty.net for details.